actually I'm a good I, like I'm a coach, you know, and that's what I do in the clinic. I study movement, performance. I understand um, how to produce power, you know. Uh, the same as whether you're a baseball player, whether you're a quarterback throwing football, um, whether you're a fighter throwing punches. You know, there's there's mechanics and there's oh yeah there's a there's a way to optimize movement. You taught me a lot in regards to how to kind of tie it into MMA. Um, but what's been really fun for me is actually kind of I guess learning how to be more uh, learning the dynamic how to approach like being a corner properly you know and how to like how to behave properly (laughs) (laughs) i wasn't gonna bring that up (laughs) i wasn't gonna bring that up but this guy Uh, as nice as he is and as uh i don't know well behaved as he (laughs) is 90 percent of the time Mm -hmm. man you get him in the corner i mean i've seen it in mma fights but the worst was the bare knuckle fights oh yeah Robbie Ellis, owner of Neo Life, one of my good friends, uh, probably one of my favorite people on the coast. I actually, oh, that's nice. Uh, I actually started to go to you when? When was the first time I went to you? Um, it was my knee? Right yeah, before the, right before you fought Randy, I believe. Randy Hedrick. That was, so, yeah, that was 2017. Right. That was the, first, the last fight before I went to the UFC or contender right. series. Right. Yeah, it was your knee. And you came in on like a Saturday. And um, it was pretty cut and dry. And then you had a back injury in your next camp. Um, and then it w- went back to your knee. And it's just been back and forth. Just, you know, nothing that's held you back for too long. I want to say the longest you've had to rehab anything um, was your knee. And maybe three, four weeks straight, you know? Oh, yeah, almost every day. People, people yeah. don't understand, like, I think I was probably like a hundred percent for one fight in the UFC. If if I was a hundred percent, I don't think you've ever been a hundred percent. I don't think it's a thing really for anybody no. really. But I'm when I say a hundred percent, I'm talking about even close. Like I've right. always had like a man. I got to not throw this because my knee might pop out or do sure. this. And I think the hard part is is that this is um, the, is most guys don't have health insurance, <laughs> you know. <laughs> And uh, that's kind of how I got into working with MMA fighters originally was actually Chase Sherman. Um, I was fresh out of school, and I was working in an outpatient setting in for another company. And um, he came in with a grade three AC joint separation, which is pretty much the most severe injury you can have at your AC joint where it's dislocated and sitting up high. Is that is that – the same thing Jason had? Yeah. Was it grade yeah, three? grade three. And since then, we've seen a bunch. Um, I didn't know that you could rehab those. 
I didn't know. Um, Still didn't. Know. Oh, I guess I kind of did because you did it with Jason Cephalo too. Yeah, Jason Cephalo and Jason Knight. Um, Jason Knight and Bailey. Um, oh, Bailey did that. It was a great. She had a great too. Um, what and, was Monica? Uh, Monica's her knee. She had a um, she had a torn PCL and a fully torn MCL. And um, and she did. She didn't get surgery on the MCL. No, she had a. Um, it was like a 80% tear of her PCL in a full tear of her MCL. And um, it took her about four or five months to come back. But these are things that typically 100% of the time you go to orthopedist, you're getting surgery. That's but, her first recommendation. <laughs> yeah, of course. And I've had the opportunity due to the fact that these people don't have insurance. When I say people, I mean the MMA fighters in general, the community. Test subjects. <laughs> yeah, they're test subjects. They've been my research subjects. And so I've been fortunate enough to have really good outcomes with things that are, aren't supposed to get well. Um, and believe it or not, let's say Chase's uh, grade three AC joint separation, for instance, he's never had a problem with that shoulder ever since. He's had problems with the other shoulder, but there's something about when you slow down and stop after – injuries and you spend dedicated time to just dealing with that problem over and over and you're you're hardening that area of your body to a certain extent um and basically i treated it just like it was a post-operative situation you know guard it and immobilize it to a certain degree in the first couple of weeks um and then passive range of motion and very specific protective phase right yeah and then you slowly work into pain-free um, movement and then eventually they get to a state that they can do everything that they did before and then you just harden and um and it works um i think he was back in six to eight weeks see when, when was this this was in 2013 see i didn't know him back then but i've never one time heard him complain about no, his shoulder never since i've um, known him since 2016 you remember david um, but David Barnes. David Barnes. Yeah, you can still see his. Yeah, and you can still see Chase's if you look. All you guys, you can see them. Yeah. Your, yours are all high and knotted. Yeah. Um, it's just a part of the, the nature of the game. You know, you're going to land hard on those shoulders. Um, oh, man. A lot. And um, so that's been pretty cool because you've I've come across people like Hollis, for instance. He had his surgically repaired AC joint. And he, he did tell me that. he's still not right. He's he'll never have full mobility because that joint gets fused essentially, and then oh really? Yeah, Is that how they do it, bone to bone fusion. So you lose some of the mobility of the joint, and then uh, obviously with some of the knee injuries, we've we've had you know really bad ACLs. Um, I, I guess I still think I don't have an ACL. In right, one. <laughs> we don't we don't know. Um, I get insurance in March, so we'll, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll find, find out. We'll find out. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, obviously, we're doing the best we can with what we have under the circumstances and conservatively managing pretty serious injuries that otherwise have put people on the shelf. And we're finding ways to continue to move through and compete at a high level. You fought in twice at a very high level. Um, and we, with us kind of in this state of not knowing. Oh, yeah but just doing the best we can. And um, you haven't really needed me a lot in this last camp. I'm not going to say I haven't needed you. My knee still buckles all the time. Mm -hmm. um, remember when I came to you and you're like, I don't even know if it's there right now. I, 
it feels like it is sometimes, other times it doesn't. Well, I just started working at UPS and they don't ever let you off. You work, all, I've been working like 14 hours a day, 14 hour days. I work from four o'clock this morning until 4.30 this afternoon. So 14 and a half, or 12 and a half today. But um, I will get insurance in March. Just from that, you had to work there for a year to get insurance. Right. Um, or nine months. But um, so I, I want to come. And then that's that's my, my worst thing is rehab or I guess going to a physical therapist. It's and a keeping, commitment. Yeah, keeping my body in, in, I guess, not shape, but up to par and then stretching. Those are my two worst. I'll go work out and train every single day, but to rehab and stretch, those are the things that are like, oh man, I got to go do that. <laughs> right. Well, that kind of gets me to a point, I guess, is um, there's part of it where the humans in general, we don't mind work, right? And some, I think some of us, right. And I think that's also a stigma um, where people always want to throw that lazy card out there. When it comes down to it, what I believe in and what I see in the clinic is that the majority of people, if they have direction and they have some way to focus now, a lot of people don't have the ability to, to manufacture that focus and that direction. So they need somebody to kind of help them get it. And then once they have a nice focus in a narrow direction, most people are willing to do the work. Yeah, I agree. They just don't want to waste time doing some arbitrary stuff. They want to know that they're heading in the right direction. You know what I mean? The problem I find is a lot of times is people aren't willing to slow down and to dedicate themselves to mindfulness practices and mobility practices, right? It's me. Right? To where you're getting sensation and intuition into yourself, especially as an athlete. Yeah. Because it's easy. It's fun to go and put the gloves on and hit pads yeah. and to train, and, you know, but to spend time with yourself, um, even if it's just sitting, um, you know, doing diaphragmatic breathing more. I, I, I think of it instead of meditation. And when you look at sports psychology, how it's taken over, I think of it like active meditation where you're doing things where you're uh, doing breathing, breath work, right? Um, you're doing things that are just giving you more sensitivity into the way your respiratory system's working, the way your body's reacting to your breath, things like that. And that's something I really like to work with a lot of athletes with um, and just patients in general because I feel like it brings so much value um, to your physiology and to your more um, your, your self-knowledge, I guess you could say. Yeah, see, and I don't think it's that I don't want to because there's a lot of times like, man, I – I need to go to Robbie. I need to go do this. I need to stretch. And I want to, but then I'm limited on time. So I have to make like a, do I want to do this or do I want to do this? Yeah. And sometimes I pick the thing that I want to do over the thing that I need more (laughs) over the thing that I need to do. You know what I mean? Right. But you're, you're probably one of the most disciplined people I know. Um, so that's kind of one of those things where you're juggling five, six, seven different obligations almost every day. And uh, so don't be too hard on yourself. You do a good job at that. <laughs> I'm serious. And when it comes down to it, the way as far as if anybody has any questions about your discipline, um, I, I don't know anybody more disciplined than you in, in terms of like making a weight cut at 135 for a person that walks around at 165 pounds, 170 pounds at times. Fat. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, 
uh, that's incredible. And uh, people don't realize, people have no idea uh, the sacrifice that you make for months to get yourself to a position. And now being out of the UFC, and I hope somebody from the UFC hears this because you're doing this regardless of the platform. And you're putting in the same effort and work, regardless whether there's two people watching or whether there's millions, you know. And uh, not a lot of people, I think, have the mental fortitude to do that. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, Mike Mike kind of said the same thing at one point. He was like, man, he had people ask him, do you think Brandon will make 135 outside of the UFC? He's like, yeah, he made it in the UFC. Why can't he make it? It's not like the UFC made him make weight. Right. He, you chose. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm doing the same thing that I was doing in the UFC that I'm doing out of the UFC. I mean, to me, I'm not going to say I, I do like the challenge. I'm not going to say it's fun to cut to 135, but it is challenging, and it is cool to see if I can make it. And I haven't missed it yet. And actually, this last time was a title fight, so I was 135 points. I actually got down to 134.8, the lowest. It wasn't 136.0 or anything like that. It was actually 135. Um so that was pretty cool. I had never been that low since probably high school. Can I ask you a question? What does hunger teach you? Because I think a lot of people will never learn what you've been able to experience through or learn through your experience. What does it, what does it teach you? What do you mean? Because you go hungry. I oh, mean, man. See, the, and I try to do it to where I'm eating pretty good. The the PI did get the UFC PI performance Institute did give me a good, um, diet or I guess meal plan kind of thing where I get, to, I still get to eat a lot. So being hungry, isn't the thing it's eating stuff, the right stuff at the right time. And so many times a day. So when I went to the PI, they gave me this, they're like, I, I was weighing probably like 170 and I kind of, kind of try to cut weight like for a couple of days so, because I was going up there to see, so they could see if I could make 135. And little did I know that if I was like already cutting a little weight, they'd kind of know whenever they did all the tests. Mm-hmm. So I was like eating, a, only eating a little bit a day. To, so I got down to like 157 when I got out there and they put me through all this test. They put me in this little chamber and it read my whole body and it, you can only do it once a year. Cause all they that. did all that and they were like, you're not eating enough. And I was like, oh, well, I thought that was going to help me get down before I came over here. And they're like, no, you need to eat five to six times a day, sometimes seven to keep your metabolism up. So when you're not eating, your body's constantly trying to burn that because it thinks it's going to get it in. So, And even the diet they gave me isn't bad. I just can't eat carbs except mm-hmm. for right before I do a hard workout. So everything. So it's ketogenic? It's really mm-hmm. ketogenic. Unless I'm going to go like run 10 miles or seven miles or whatever I run that day. Right before then, or get to go do a hard workout, then I get to eat some carbs. I eat a banana or something like that. But other than that, no carbs, so your body's eating the fat off itself. So you're never hungry. Mm. Even the last few days of the weight cut, you're not hungry. Now, the day, the night before, up to weigh-ins, or probably that whole day before up to weigh-ins, you're going to be thirsty. Oh, yeah. Cause, and I try to make it to where I don't cut, but about 7 or 8 pounds, 10 pounds max of water weight. Because then that's going to start to affect you a lot. Sure. So I try to get down to where I'm walking around at like 142 mm-hmm. right towards the end. So I only have to cut like seven pounds, six, mm-hmm. five pounds mm-hmm. um, to get to 146, six pounds. Um, so it's not that bad, but the hunger part of it, 
I now I've done it before where I did it wrong and I was starving and yeah, man, it's <laughs> the worst thing. But thirst it, is probably worse. Oh, a hundred a hundred percent. You you you're you're super hungry until you're thirsty and then you forget that you're hungry. <laughs> and then you get thirsty. And even it's it's still my problem these days is I'll feel good the whole time, but then I haven't drank for like that last day, day and a half, and you have to Rehydrate. Rehydrate, and I drink so much afterwards. My stomach hurts. I have to go lay down for like four hours and try to go take a nap so that my stomach will stop hurting, and I finally wake up a couple hours later, and I'm like, man, still be hurting just a little bit, and then it'd be like four hours later, and I'm like, all right, I'm good. And just, <laughs> but it's so hard to just drink the little bit that they tell you to drink. You're like, mm-hmm. Pedialyte, orange juice, right. water. Right. Well, I've seen uh, like with David Blaine because he's – push the limits on like hunger and star- oh, really? starvation the magician dude yeah and and also thirst uh where he's went without pretty much everything and he's found like what the human limits are and he was saying that there's some real serious side effects to when you're in a f- state of starvation and you actually introduce food or water like your body can go into like shock reject it? oh yeah big time and um it was saying how people died <clears throat> like when they left the german camps oh yeah because they ate i've heard of that and they would eat like regular food right away and they would go into like some shock their organs would shut down and stuff yeah the other thing is like if you're really thirsty and you haven't you have to make sure you're taking in sodium because you have that ionic balance to balance out the sodium so if you're just taking in a bunch of water at one time with no sodium then your cells can start to expand Uh, and explode i've heard about that happening yeah, I heard about they did a contest on the radio one day. Yeah. And they were like seeing if this lady died. could chug uh like four gallons of water or something. Mm-hmm. That, and it wasn't like she died from her stomach exploding, her cells in her body exploded yep. because they didn't have that time for the osmosis and the yeah. ionic balance and all on Elect- all of that. The electrolyte imbalance, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. Well, speaking of discipline, when I moved down here, Neolife, I want to say it just gotten started, had it not? 2015. Yeah, so I got down here middle middle towards the beginning of 2016 and Chase mm-hmm. was like, "Yeah, my buddy just opened this place up and you're in a small mm-hmm. small um hole in the wall, yeah." Yeah, right by the gym and now you have Did you just open a new one? I, Thir- yeah, we opened in Bay St. Louis. So I thought I saw that on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um so now you have three locations. Mm-hmm. How how does how is all that going and Man, so what's funny is when when you moved down here was right around the time. I Good feel like, charm. yeah, <laughs> swear. So it was. It was like a cool, uh, I guess you could say coincidence, or maybe there's no coincidences. Um, so at the t- at the time, it was um, it kind of worked out where Chase, Jason Knight, you, and. I know Jason Cephalou was there more than any of us. Oh, yeah. Well, Jason actually, um, he was broken. You know, his shoulder wasn't working at all. Uh, his He had a torn ACL uh, and a quadru- what they call a quadruple meniscus tear. I actually p- paid for his insurance so he could get ACL surgery because it was so significant. And um, I just felt like he didn't have any – he really didn't have a lot of – Who who do you know that's a nice enough guy <laughs> to just pay for some dude's insurance that he just met, I mean, Six within, within a year? Probably. Yeah. And I don't know. I think part of it is is I'm, I live vicariously with you guys in a way because I, I was an athlete my whole life. Uh, I played football for 12 years, and um, which is a contact sport, you know, and 
And I definitely went through a period, like a withdrawal period, uh, where I just crave physical contact oh, yeah. and violence. That's how I got into MMA. Right. And uh, so there was a part of me that always just wanted to dive into MMA. And, but another part of me knew that, I, I, that if I was going to do it, that I needed to be able to commit my time and resources to it. So I made a promise to myself that if I didn't get into PT school my first go round, that I was just going to say screw it and just go like all the way. Yeah, you know, man. See, I I had to make that jump not from PT school, but uh, I had a good job up north and up north uh, Mississippi, and I was doing uh, working in these labs and stuff and going between these clinics. Didn't have to work that much, and I was making pretty good money. And then I was like, man, I can do this for whatever when I get older. I can only make it to the UFC when I'm young. Tyler had been trying to talk me down to coming down to the coast, talk me into coming down to the coast. And I, I said, fuck it, I'm going to I'm gonna take my chance, go down there. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. I can always find another job or come back up here. They said they'd take me back. And I moved down here, and it worked out like literally almost a year and like a couple of weeks from when I moved down here, I made it to the UFC. Mm-hmm. It, was fu- it was funny, too, because, like, I always knew, like, I met within a short period of time meeting you, like, I could just tell. You could just tell what people are made of and, and their journey, I guess, because I'd already heard a lot about you before I actually met you. But getting back to the story, so um, at that time, within that, let's say that 2016, 2017 period, where we were still in just that one location, Dyerville, and I was kind of slowly getting all you guys and kind of involving myself with you guys in different ways. Um, all of a sudden, everybody started getting in the UFC. You know? Oh, yeah, all within like a right. couple-year period. It was just happening, um, and I was a bit able to be a part of the, the come-up, you know, and then um, being able to support you guys from the side of the sports medicine side. Um and that's no coincidence either, you know, because it takes a, a, a village. Team. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, so I was so, I mean, I'm just honored to be a part of it and to be able to live vicariously through you guys. Um, and I respect what you guys do so much. And, um, and I understand as an athlete the discipline that goes into competing at a high level. And when you're dealing with the competition at, at, the, at the top level in the UFC – I mean, you're dealing with percentages, small fractions of percentages that are making the difference of winning and losing. And, you know, and there's so many variables in terms of the the style or where that fight takes place, whether it's standing, whether you're on the cage, whether you're on the ground, um, and then being able to dictate where that ha- happens. And then um, just so many variables, so much you have to be aware of. And um, And I just, I love it. I love the sport. And, um, and it was, it's always been, and in a way, I, I kind of feel like y'all guys in a way didn't have enough, like the fact that a lot of y'all don't have insurance and stuff like that. I felt like, okay, well, I don't want to, I guess in a way I want to make sure that you guys are well taken care of and can have peace of mind. Yeah, no, I, I can see where you're coming from because who knows? I wouldn't have been able to fight Randy Hedrick if you didn't fix my knee that week. You know what I mean? And maybe, too, you need somebody to tell you you're okay. You yeah, know, yeah. At certain points where instead of bringing that garbage into the ring with you, you kind of just find a way to have somebody with you to help you kind of process it mentally in injury instead of 
kind of just always having that sitting in the back of your head when you're walking into a fight. You know? Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you, I couldn't you even, won that fight in, what, a minute, 30 seconds? <laughs> two minutes, yeah, something around there. I, I mean, I couldn't even straighten my knee out. This happened on a Wednesday. You worked on it Thursday, Friday, and Saturday before the fight. Right. And I was I was able to go in there. And you took him down. And you, uh, me, and, me and James Sharp, he was like, I bet you won't take him down. He said, I said, if I take him down, you owe me a 12-pack. <laughs> Picked him up and slammed him. <laughs> He said, 12-pack. I said, that's going to be the code word for taking him down. 12-pack. Mm-hmm. Picked him up and I slammed him right when he said that. Yep. But, um, no, I still stood and uh, did everything with him. I did go southpaw because I didn't want to try to throw off of that leg. But, I mean, I could walk and I can move and side to side and do all this stuff that I couldn't do. Mm-hmm. But what I think is cool is it's not like a lot of the doctors or physical therapists or sports uh, sports doctors, they understand movement and how a body works. But you actually understand the sport, too. Because you corner Chase and you've been working with right. Chase. Like bef- before, I even really met you. I moved. I came down here and trained, and you were coaching Chase against me. Me and Chase were sparring hard that day. I came down mm-hmm. on a Saturday, mm-hmm. and me and nobody else was sparring Chase. And me and Chase did like ten yeah. rounds together. You remember that yeah. when he had his green gloves? Yep. And you were <clears> coaching him. I didn't know you then. You didn't know me. Yep. But uh, we got like ten hard rounds going with him. He just got back from Alliance training yep. out there, and he was trying to use a lot of his movement and stuff. And I remember you coaching him. That's like my first memory of meeting you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think going back to um, to Neo Life and kind of its roots, and um, and I think where it went from there is like me kind of learning on the fly how because naturally i'm a good I, like i'm a coach you know and that's what i do in the clinic i study movement performance i understand um p- how to produce power you know uh the same as whether you're a baseball player whether you're a quarterback throwing football um whether you're a fighter throwing punches you know there's there's mechanics and there's oh yeah there's a perf- there's a way to optimize movement you taught me a lot in regards to how to kind of tie it into MMA. Um, but what's been really fun for me is actually kind of, I guess, learning how to be more, uh, learning the dy- how to pr- approach, like, being a corner properly, you know, and how to, like, how to behave properly <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. <laughs> I wasn't going to bring that up. But this guy, uh, as nice as he is, and – as uh i don't know well behaved as he is 90 percent of the time <laughs> mm-hmm. man you get him in the corner i mean i've seen it in mma fights but the worst was the bare knuckle fights oh yeah man when he's corner, me and him were cornering chase and he'll get up rah, 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 cussing and, and get yell at the corner uh, man the- they're like trying to pull him down he- <laughs> Turn around and yell at them, get off, get off me. I'm trying to coach my guy. And I'm like, Robbie, you need to chill out. I, mm-hmm. I remember one of the times, like, I told you beforehand, I was like, hey, stay calm. Right. If you need to say something, say it calmly. And unless then, let me talk a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there was one time you were almost crawling into the ring. Yeah. That bear, it was the title fight that Chase had against that, uh, that bare knuckle on the bare knuckle, uh, BKFC. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, that's kind of something that I like. I kind of look at like it's my responsibility to be dis, like to be to adapt and learn the same regards because you know obviously I want to be a positive influence in there. And so, for instance, like Chase's last fight, 
you know, uh, to me, that was an opportunity to say, like, okay. What was that UFC, the one in Miami? It was in uh, right, the Jackson, sec- Jacksonville. Jacksonville. That was the first one they had back with the coronavirus? Yeah. 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 And, you know, to me, that was a test. I kind of look at it like a, a test for myself, too, because we've been in the corner now several times. Like, we've, we're getting kind of a, kind of a little bit of chemistry going. Oh, yeah. We know, know when to talk and when to let the other one right. talk. Right. And so that's kind of a part of where I just want to make sure I'm doing my role and being responsible for what I – need to do to support the effort we're in you know and uh so yeah i mean i enjoyed the hell out of that stuff i had such a good time on that trip you know we brought the one wheel first, down first time i ever got to uh, ride a one wheel man and yeah. then since then i've got my own and wrecked multiple times and messed myself up and don't even ride it hardly anymore <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> tyler's always like hey you want to go ride the one wheels like, but oh man <sighs> I don't know. I got some stuff I got to do today. I got scars everywhere from that one wheel, man. But, I mean, I still enjoy riding it. I just, when I first got it, I was trying to go 100 or nothing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I crashed going 23 on it and messed myself up. And then I crashed again like a week later and ripped all those scabs off. And I was like, man, I need to slow down. So, I, like, enjoy, like, cruising on cruising. it now. Yeah. And I remember you saying, like, yeah, I just like cruising. But yeah. When I first got on it, I was a speed demon. And what's funny is you'll go, you can go months without wrecking that thing. But eventually, oh yeah, yeah. The last time I fell off the thing, the darn thing just turned off. Like after all this happened, I've learned all my lessons. I've had some serious wipeouts, and the worst part is I like hit my head, and I'm like, oh man, I don't wear protective equipment. I don't either. I'm like, I'm, I'm too, too cool. old for this. Too cool. Man. <laughs> oh man, we. I was going trying to see how fast that thing would go. <laughs> It says it's only supposed to go 21. I was going 23.1. I know you and sent I, me that. And I figured that I just messed up somewhere, and I was going down that street, and that thing just shut off. Nose dived, and I front flipped off and slid. Luckily, there wasn't a car coming because I slid all the way across the road. Yeah. Um, but got up in there, looked at my phone, and there was a message that said, you left, you picked your back foot up off and didn't have it on there for 10 seconds, so we shut it off. Like, why would you shut it off with me going I know. 23? Like, at least like slow it down to a stop yeah. or something. I, I obviously could not ride a one wheel with no foot on the back. You know right. what I mean? But S- same thing happened to me first time I wrecked it. And I was on like, I was on like the road going over the interstate from the promenade, like from oh, yeah, yeah. where the clinic is going over. It was real late and I was all confident and I was trying to like literally go as fast as I can go on the thing. And I had, before I had like officially wrecked it. And were you going uphill thing, or down? I was hill? going up a hill, oh, which man, is worth the worse. How is it? It's worse. Oh, because, yeah, it's too easy to it's do. easier yeah. for the nose to dive. And it caught, I flew her top, and I didn't gracefully, like, roll or anything. I just caught and just felt like, yeah. <laughs> I was literally hurting so bad. I laid down on the side of the road. I, then finally, I picked up the wind wheel. I was so mad, and I, like, slammed it on the ground. What? Oh, so pissed. No way. I was, like, mad that the thing, like, failed me. <laughs> and then, like, now you got to trust this thing again. Oh, man. It's so, it's. You're, like, broken. You're, like, how am I going to trust you again? It happened to me twice. Right. And this is, like, the age of, like, artificial intelligence and technology we're coming into. We have to, like, trust technology. And this thing can mess you up if you don't. Bro, it, it knows we're talking bad about it, yeah. so it just shuts off. Hey, oh, yeah, let's wait until he's going yeah. so fast, and then we're just going <laughs> to. Some evil person's, like, sitting there controlling this thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, back to all the physical therapy mm. stuff. <laughs> yeah, so I'll just give a quick run now. So um, we decided Gulfport. So I've always had this idea of expanding this model 
which is based off of um, what we consider like direct access means that you can walk straight into a medical facility and receive care. Mm-hmm. Um, well, physical therapy as of now is limited direct access. So you can come in for that first visit for initial eval. Yeah. But for you to continue to be seen, you have to have a referral from literally people. Some of the people it doesn't really make sense, right? For orthopedists that, yeah, it makes sense. Okay. Uh, general practitioner even because they can do some extra additional screening and things of that nature. Um, nurse practitioner, physician's assistant, chiropractor, and a dentist can refer you. So a dentist? A dentist can refer for you what, to y'all? me for an ankle problem. Oh, man. It doesn't matter. You could have a stubbed toe and get referred to physical therapy from a dentist and come to the clinic and have no issues with insurance paying for it. How? It's just a broken... It's broken, you know, it's broken. So um, instead of complaining about it, whining about it, I just adapt to it. And that's a part of what we do that's unique is that we work with people. And we, so if a person comes in and they, and we do a lot of direct marketing and direct to consumer, um, that's how we deal. Um, eventually it will be direct access. So as far as new life and direct access, our goal is to be a model of what direct access uh, physical therapy looks like. Um, so at some point when we're patients come directly in our clinic and we're not going to need a referral from anyone, we're doctors of physical therapy. We're trained in screening for medical conditions outside of our scope of practice. So if your back pain is caused by something that's not a disc herniation, a facet joint entrapment, some issue that I know what that is and what it looks like, what it presents like, I could tell you better than anybody that that's not what it looks like. Or that's, that's something that needs to be further assessed by an MRI or something that you need additional medical workup, right? So how are you going about getting this passed? Or getting so this it's through? a state-level thing. Um, my goal is eventually to be involved with, at a state level. I'd love to be a part of the Mississippi Board of Physical Therapy in terms of the people that are. So I've been a councilman for the last eight years. That's a whole nother story, something I got into um, to gain experience in some of the more, uh, some of that administrative type um, municipal level stuff. Um, And also, I didn't go to business school. Nobody taught me anything about, you know, I never have a formal training in business or accounting or um, anything. I just have a drive and I'm motivated to succeed Yeah, uh, to a level of obsession. I spent 10 years of my life obsessing over how I was going to make it. And it's paid off. Yeah. And it was funny. Now, the hard part is what happens when you get there. So with all that, I mean, I don't want to move off this subject, but what's the end goal? My end goal, uh, let's say my short-term goal is to, uh, to, spread this model and to create a platform for others to succeed um, in different ways. There's therapists. I want to have a platform for therapists to, to, to create careers and opportunities for themselves that are similar to what I was looking for. I was looking for an opportunity to be a part of a team. I didn't want to start my own practice initially. Honestly, I wanted to be a part of something that was already, I was kind of waiting for somebody to, Come get you. Embrace me, yeah. So you wanted to have a partner in this? I wanted a partner. Are you happy you didn't? 
Now I am. <laughs> yeah, now I can only imagine. Now I'm blessed. Like, I am so lucky that I um, didn't screw myself over. And not being naive in the beginning, there were so many things that I almost laid my life out in front of somebody, right? I literally was in a position where I was offering 100%. Like, I would own, I would basically run uh, a facility for another individual's company that's a competitor of mine now. And I said, I would run this for 30% equity in this practice. 30%. That's all I want. I will 100%. They turned that down. I will 100% run. I didn't have a track record. I didn't have any skin in the game. What are they thinking now? Have you ever talked to this person? I know it's a competitor. You're not no. friends. Honestly, I hope they watch this and they kick themselves in the ass. If they haven't thought about it, they lost out on <laughs> I, I would have screwed myself. They would have owned 70% of a practice that I was own, that I was operating. Yeah. And there's no sense in, but I hadn't proved that I can do it. Yeah. You know, at that time. To I yourself either. Yeah. To anybody. If you had known you were going to go, you would never operate. So looking that. back, I don't blame anybody. You know, they didn't owe me anything. Yeah. Um, I tried to set up lease arrangements. I was so scared of taking on overhead. I tried to set up lease arrangements with local gyms where I was literally going to offer them equity in my practice to let you be to let there. me be there. And I would have just shot myself in the foot. They declined me. Bro, it's so crazy. I know. It's so crazy how God protected me, honestly. It's it's a God thing. There's no other way to look yeah. at it. I the worst one is is the other the the competitor of mine that I was going <laughs> to give him 70% of a practice that I was going to own and operate. And you know what he said to me? What? I don't see any other scenario where I'm a 100% owner and you're an employee of mine. Think of the arrogance, right? If a guy came to me with that I know is rooted in the community that's ambitious and that's looking to to establish themselves in a, in a local community and they want my help I will go to the end of the earth to help them and I will embrace them I will train them I will give them everything that I have to help them do that because that's that's spreading our our model that's spreading yeah. our platform yeah. of this new age physical therapy right this new way of, of taking care of people and turning physical therapy into a primary healthcare model. Yeah. Right? So I just look at it like I'm going to learn from these people and I'm going to now embrace the same person that's in the position I was in and I'm going to help them get to their dream. Well, how did you respond to that guy when he said that other than going and getting uh, success. successful business <laughs> other success. than that. Honestly, than that. <laughs> I can tell you one of the You most, didn't even respond to him? No. No, one of the biggest drivers. Was driving, this an in-face in meeting? I've never told this story. I don't tell it like in a way where it Was this an in-face meeting or This was a sit-down meeting, meeting at a restaurant. And he said that to you like that with the he man? Looked, he looked that me in the what? eyes. He looked me in the eyes with like this really aggressive look. And it was almost like he was trying to like penetrate, looking at you. like trying to penetrate my soul. Look, and he said, "I don't see any other op option except for me being the hundred percent owner and you being an employee of mine." How big were his balls that he was sitting on talking to you like that? Well, he's I'd have punched him in the face. <laughs> I'm so glad. I'm so thankful for that individual. You know, I'm thankful for every yeah, person no. that's been a part of the path. And uh, but I could tell you the truth: the most the people that doubted me the most were people closest to me. Um, when I went, Always. I tried to start a physical therapy practice three years out of PT school. It's just not common in, in the um, physical therapy world. You know, 
Um, in chiropractic world, it is, but PT has a little bit more, <clears throat> you know, typically overall has a little bit, I guess, more clout in terms of um, credibility. Um, oh, yeah. Now, there's excellent chiropractors out there. I work with some. Um, you know, um, Jeremy Jernigan is just an example. Just good people that care about people, right? That he helped me get off the ground. I mean, I would give him credit right now like he literally contacted me and sent me four patients in my first month yeah back then that was probably huge, huge. oh my god like it was is it, it changed everything because it gave me people believing in me like that you know how many how many patients do you think you're up to now uh we see 500 a week man from those four in the beginning that's probably like life-changing like man oh, i just yeah. need somebody to Dude, come in i can remember sitting there thinking if i could see 80 patient or 60 patients this week oh man like my life's gonna change if i can see 80 patients if i can see 100 you know and then hiring people and then okay i gotta i gotta like be a a manager of people now i gotta hire a biller now i'm gonna hire uh, a person to do scheduling now i got three places now i gotta start like learning about the next level of this and i start seeking people that can teach me more and um I've learned from every corner of the globe. I mean, I've learned from car dealers, from, you know, as far as business and yeah. customer acquisition and and then, um, and then maintaining those relationships over time. Um, and I've realized this is, it's 100% um, bringing a customer service model to a healthcare industry. That in itself sets you apart. Because yeah. most time in a medical setting, you're getting treated like a number. Like, yeah, no. Next, 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 you know? Yeah. And um, I just believe in caring, truly, truly investing yourself, and you get 10 times more in return. Um, I believe in paying it forward, and you get the blessings rain on you. Tell now, me this. Are you, are y'all, is Neolife part of, was it Neo Nutrition? The, so Neo Nutrition is my wife's business. It's gotcha. her operation. Um, and tell, it's, tell everybody what that is. Uh, so it's a health um, and nutrition. It's basically uh, Herbalife supplements that are prepared for you in a brick and mortar location. My wife would love that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, she, she, all women love it. It's, it's basically healthy energy drinks, kind of guilt-free energy drinks. Yeah. And then uh, uh, post-workout recovery drinks or meal replacements. So it works. People, um, especially women tend to really gravitate towards it, but they have a lot of men, even fighters and stuff come in, uh, like Phenomena Fit and Monica and all them, they, they're religious when it comes to that. Oh yeah. You know, um, they pay the light bill over there, but, um, it's, it's my wife's business from a hundred percent. Where can people find that? Uh, <clears throat> it's on Lemoyne. Uh, it's a, uh, right where whole health chiropractic future scholars learning center, um, on that strip there. And, um, it's her baby, and if you walk in there, you could see her personalities all over it. Yeah, it's she's a perfectionist. She's very um, OCD in a way. Like um, she just wants everything. She wants the impression she puts out to the world to be immaculate. And uh, you could see it, and you walk if you walked in her house or you do anything she touches, it's just perfection. You yeah, know? she's like uh, she throws parties and does different things like that. She's like one of the most incredible like to, like her eye and design and all that stuff and she creates an experience for people to uh 
to really get a little bit more. Don't give her it. too much. It can make me look bad in front yeah. of my wife. Because I'll. <laughs> oh, I'm like, oh, I got a chance to hyper. Let's yeah, do this. no, go ahead. So, where do people find that on Instagram or Facebook? Yep, it's Neo Nutrition. Is uh, so she's got a, our Facebook page and all that, and that's her Instagram. Um, same thing. It's the main thing that she she uses to promote her business is pretty much Facebook. Yeah. Uh, as far as Neolife, um, www.neolifept.com is our website. You can learn a lot about what we do, the different techniques we use. Um, that's one thing that's different about us, too. Every therapist we have, which we're up to 10 licensed therapists in the state of Mississippi, or Mississippi licensed therapists. Yeah. Um, and um, we take pride in all of our DPTs are dry needle certified, or we have one that's actually getting certified in January. What is dry needling, by the way? Because I don't know if a lot of people know this. Probably be the last thing before we end it. But sure. uh, man, dry needling. But when I heard about it and they showed me, I was like, man, don't do. It's like it looks like acupuncture, but mm-hmm. it it also stimu- They make it stimulate your muscles and a lot of stuff that I can't scientifically explain. But I was like, man, I don't want to do that. And even when I go in now, I'm like, oh, man, I don't want to dry needling. But I do. I do because the after, the after effects are so dramatic. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, it's a, if you think about it in conservative care, like there's not a lot. So if I can touch, mobilize your joint or mobilize soft tissue with my hands from the exterior inward, right? Or using tools or cupping or different types of Eastern techniques, which is what I take pride in is bringing all the the tools available to us and using the kitchen sink approach saying like if you have a problem let's throw everything we know to be helpful at this problem um in the right order well dry needle camel see i didn't believe in it i thought it was boo-boo i thought it was uh, you know <laughs> i was like thought it was hocus pocus and until i had a major migraine one day and my aunt was actually dry needle certified and she worked in our clinic and so i had her work on me and I walked out of there without a headache that same day. And I was like, okay. What did she dry needle for the headache? Suboxyphils. Most headaches are tension headaches. They're related to the muscles of the head and neck. Gotcha. And so if you can reduce those, the tension and tone in those muscles, the headache goes away. Um, so that's when I realized, okay, I need to pay attention to this. I need to learn more about it. I need to get invested in it. And so I went and got certified myself. Um, and not to mention dry needling wasn't even a thing that physical therapists did when I got out of school it became um, a, like a credentialed service that we can get licensed to provide I'd never heard of it yeah and so <clears throat> I never thought I would be putting needles in people when I got out of school you know that's something I picked up along the way and now it's become a staple of our practice because it's so effective and dramatic in terms of the results it produces in such a short period of time and Sometimes people get immediate relief, like that moment. Sometimes it's one of those things where it stimulates a healing process. Or, you know, I I explain it in in ways where we're inserting needles and we're we're inserting energy into the body from the inside. Yeah. So instead of like a a tinge unit where you're stimulating the surface of the skin transcutaneously, you're actually stimulating it from inside of the, yeah, and especially inside of motor points, which are, you know, trigger points or what people are familiar with knots in their muscles or inflamed trigger points. Those are all areas where the nerve is communicating with the muscle and giving it signals that allow it to do its job. Right. Yeah. I know for a fact that it works on my knees a bunch because 
the knees don't get a bunch of blood flow and it just you get it pumping through there mm-hmm. and my whole you see my whole leg jump right and it just gets that blood pumping through there to help it heal and then so it, that's kind of from even from like a point of in, enhancing blood flow um and then enhancing the lymphatic system because you're getting muscle pump and muscle action so therefore you're drawing the lymphatic inflammation and fluid that might build out of there so um that's kind of the goal for us is just to have a common sense approach to rehabilitation, but also looking at it from a neuro orthopedic standpoint where we're trying to really enhance the way the nervous system's functioning and thereby enhancing the healing process. And it seems to work well. No, I, I know for a fact that it works well. I mean, that's what you did on my knees, my back. I mean, I had to go somewhere else for the back too. Um, just because that was some uh, some disc issues. But um, everything else, muscle soreness, knees, uh, elbow, shoulder, I mean, it's crazy what it'll help you with. Like you said, your migraine. Mm-hmm. Um, I hate that we didn't get to talk about the breathing techniques that you showed us, uh, hopefully on the next save that, one. Yeah. yeah, save that for the next one, and then we get to see how the Bay St. Louis one's going and sure. see everything else because I – I mean, I want to see you grow just because, I mean, not just because you've helped me, but (laughs) I like to see people prosper and do better. And I mean, you've helped me with a lot. So, I mean, good friend of mine. And I always want to see my friends do good. Heck yeah, man. Well, thank you for having me on, bro. And I, again, I think the world of you and I love what you're doing and the fact that you're taking this opportunity in between your, your, your stints, right? And we know what's coming. Um, You're doing everything right. But to expand yourself and to get in, you know, expand your apparel um, podcast, you're you're working a full time job, you know, uh, you're taking care of two kids, you know, it's respectable, man. I think the world of you, and I uh, wish you prosperous and success as well, man. Man, I appreciate it. Yeah. All right, if y'all like this, make sure to go check him out on Instagram. Give him a follow. They have they post all their stuff. You get to see what they're doing. See, it's not just for athletes. It's definitely most 90% of it, 99% of it probably is what just. General public, everybody gets treated like an athlete. Yeah. Whether you're a baby or an um, older person or an athlete, it's a protocol to get you functioning up to your highest level. We, We treat pain in order to improve function, in order to improve quality of life. When people are suffering, it's not the physical that they're suffering from. It's the emotional. It's the mental. So we use the physical to heal the emotional and the mental yeah so i mean he said it better than i could say it make sure to go check him out and check out the neo nutrition yep neo nutrition and we just started uh we yes like literally i did my first tiktok yesterday so, i don't even have tiktok i keep yeah. getting told i need to have one I that's what like, i like I've i feel been, like it's for 12 year olds i know i've been getting beat over the head with it, beat over the head <laughs> with it. so finally i gave in i do the we do weekly facebook we do weekly instagram but now and part it's all education too but the tiktok is going to be a little more funny you know so yeah. it's education but it's really kind of not taking it as lightly as possible and kind of almost being like a little super silly with it you know i got you well yeah. does this podcast make up for all the uh times that i came in there and you helped me out and i didn't post on accident <laughs> <laughs> so oh, he yeah. doesn't ask me to pay him because i don't have insurance and i'm uh, well, it's a part of your spo- it's a part of your sponsorship but yes yeah, He'd always just, hey, man, post, not post as much as I could, but I would always forget sometimes because I'm in a hurry. And yeah. so hopefully this helps out. <laughs> oh, yeah. Heck yeah, man. I appreciate it.
All right. Well, we'll see y'all in the next one. And, uh, check them out.